You're listening to the Beauty Brain Show, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry. Welcome to episode 165. I'm Randy Schuler, and I'm here snuggled up on the couch next to my co-host, Perry Romanowski. Perry! Hey, Randy! So good to see you. It's been a little while. It has been a little while, but we are back in the saddle, at least for the yeah. moment. Welcome uh, to 2018. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Happy, happy New Year. Hey, let me tell you what we're going to talk about on today's show. This is the tease portion of the program, in case you've forgotten how this works. But uh, on today's uh, showgram, you're going to learn our surefire way to avoid buying expired products online. You'll find out if natural mascara formulas have gotten better Hmm. and whether or not you should use a skin cream made from your own blood. That's right. That sounds tough. Your own blood. (laughs) Plus, you'll hear some very important news about the beauty brains that you do not want to miss. Yes, you do not want to miss that news. But before we get to all that, what uh, what's going on? Have you been anyplace interesting? What what have you been up to? Oh, you know, I was traveling to New York and Dallas and California. I ran a marathon. I read 50 books. I've been busy, man. I, I kind of meant in the context of beauty science, not so much. Oh, Just your yeah, personal no. goals for the year. Hey, you know what I'm doing this year? Yeah? I am going to go to Australia. Oh, yeah, I've been invited for the Australian Society of Cosmetic Chemists to uh, to speak at their meeting out in May. That's a, a long way to fly just for an hour dinner meeting. <laughs> you know, I know. But, you know, if any Beauty Brains fans out there want to want to meet up with me out in Australia... Uh, hey, seriously, we actually have gotten uh, quite a few reviews in the last couple of months from Australia, so maybe some of the fans down there will, will take you up on that. Yeah, we are big in Australia. So, you know, that's the life of a cosmetic chemist. I'm also going to Toronto in February, okay. just speaking up in Toronto, and I'm going to Orlando in February. <laughs> okay, it's it's the Perry Romanowski Roadshow, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> where, where in the world is Perry Romanowski? <laughs> well, the truth is I'm, I've been searching for Carmen Sandiego. So. Uh, that's a, uh, yeah. Like that, that's a little dated reference, isn't it? Slightly. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, good, you know what? Good, I, yeah. I got mm-hmm. one of those. I got one of those uh, Amazon Echo things. I didn't even know I wanted one, but damn, I have like a relationship now with this Echo. <laughs> and every so, morning I say, "Hey, hey Alexa, can you play uh, Good Morning Starshine?" You know that song from Hair. Wakes me up every day. It's fabulous. Just go to Amazon.com and slash the beauty brains. <laughs> hey, oh boy. hey, Alexa, can we get back to podcasting about beauty science? What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. Why don't we start with some beauty science news? Excellent. Hey, did you see this story about, uh, there's quite a bit of controversy around this app. Uh, it's called Make App, and it's this makeup eraser app. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I saw that. It was uh, I, actually I heard about it first on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and then I saw it in HuffPo and Refinery Twenty Nine. But it's um, it's an app that has it has the ability to remove makeup in your pictures or your videos. So right. if you've got whatever lipstick, eyeshadow, blush, eyeliner, mascara, whatever. 
this this has some algorithm in it that basically strips out all those additional components so you can see what you would look like sans makeup. So it's kind of the inverse airbrushing. Kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. So the the reason it's controversial is it's uh, uh, I, I guess it's perceived as being sexist because supposedly guys are using this to see what women would look like without makeup. I guess. Right. Right. So so a really good looking celebrity you pull off their makeup and they don't look as good looking. Right, or, you know, I, I, I don't know, I guess somebody, I don't know, what's that dating site you use, Tinder? I mean, maybe you can see what somebody <laughs> I, looks like. I don't even know they have pictures on there. I, I don't know how that works. but I, I, I don't use Tinder, yeah, but well, right, well, I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, right? Uh, yeah, I guess you could, I, I, you know, I guess it's what, more honesty in appearance or something? But it's, the, the controversy is why, like, what gives you the right, Mr. Guy there, to, like, sort of strip away the face that somebody wants to present to the public to see something beneath it? Like, do you really have the right to do that? That's, it seems questionable. Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and they also, um, the, the, you know, the counterpoint is, well, what's the male equivalent of this? I guess it would be an app that makes it look like you haven't shaved and it shows what your bedhead looks like. <laughs> Is that some sort of crack about the way I look right now? No, no, no. no. I, actually, that's a reference to my own bedhead. I have terminal bedhead. So you're you're at least wearing a hat. No, yeah, well, I common sense to hide it. Uh, so anyway, it's it's interesting technology. Maybe not the best use of uh, a, a makeup app, but there you have it. Yeah, well, you know, uh, technology certainly is impacting the beauty industry, and maybe not always for the better. Amen. Hey, but you know, you know. Also, there is um, the anti-technology thing, and sometimes you can improve your appearance without using any technology at all. Which really? Is, which reminds me of this story that I, that I recently read, um, which is about using facial exercises to make yourself look younger. Okay, that doesn't really work, does it? Well, according to this uh, research done by uh, folks over at Northwestern University, oh. it actually does. So they they took um, a group of 27 women aged 40 to 65, mm-hmm. and they had this yoga master t- train them on some facial exercises. Okay. And so the exercise is like, you know, you, you make an O with your lips, and then you open your mouth real fast, and, <laughs> and you do that okay. for, there are 32 different uh, facial exercises. That they I wish practiced. people could see how silly you look just doing that now, but okay, that's not the Actually, point. Actually, I on my other website, Chemist Corner, I wrote a blog post about this, and I took a picture of me doing these facial oh, exercises. Well, we'll have to link to that in the show notes. Check that out. So, so the the bottom line is that these women over the course of eight weeks, actually over the course of twenty weeks, hmm. but they saw benefits over eight weeks. They did these exercises, and after eight weeks, they were actually made themselves. The group started out at average age. A dermatologist looked at pictures and mm-hmm. said, "Oh, this they look an average of fifty point eight years." Mm-hmm. And then after the study, they said the average age was forty eight point one years, which is a three year difference. Which I'm I'm thinking about this thing. I'm like, really? I mean, people That's are a- people going to notice that? It's just a, I, a sort of a strange metric to use. You know, normally you you could see counting fine lines and wrinkles or, you know, something of that nature. But Right. I guess this is just like, I mean, ultimately, that's kind of what you want to do when you use anti-aging is you, you know, do I look younger, right? But Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's just that what 
how well controlled was this? Like, do you know when people were using, you know, because they were now more invested in this process of looking younger, maybe they use different products. Did they control what they did outside of the class? I mean, there's a, you know. Exactly. And, and there's one other, one other important thing. The, they did the, these exercises took them 30 minutes a day. Okay. So I mean, who gets 30 minutes a day to exercise at all? Now you're just going to do 30 minutes just to work on your face? Well, but I suppose you what? could do it during your commute, on the train, or in your car. You could do it while podcasting. There's a, I mean, you could work it in. If it's if this really works, we will find time to make it happen. I, I suppose. It seemed, it sounded like a lot of work for not much benefit. And, you know, and, and it's taking jobs of cosmetic chemists, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, but if well, you want it, if you want a less expensive way to make yourself look younger, you can try facial yoga. All right, very good. Uh, well, that's a, that's a good segue into the questions we have this week because people did ask. Uh, we have a couple of questions about our expensive anti-aging products worthwhile. Um, but before we get to those, I, I thought I wanted to start with this question from uh, Sejexin nineteen. And she said that um, she's heard horror stories of people buying expired or knockoff beauty products on Amazon. Is there any good way to tell if a product is legit other than trial and error? This has come up on the show before. We've talked about counterfeit beauty products. So this is, right. I mean, this is this certainly is a legitimate concern. Now, let's assume that, you know, I guess she, she mentioned Amazon here. Um, is that Alexa or is that the other one? What's the uh, other that one? That is Alexa, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, Alexa, it's my beauty product. <laughs> is, right. Just ask Alexa, that's all. Okay, next question. Um, no, seriously, there's there's only one surefire way to tell that we're aware of. And this really works, but it's kind of a pain in the butt to do. So what you could do is go on Amazon, get in contact with the seller of the product, and ask them to give you the manufacturing code that is printed on the bottle. So every legitimate mainstream manufacturer of cosmetic products will print some sort of lot code or production date code on the bottle. Right, And once you know what that code is, you could contact the company that makes it and ask them for the date that the product was made. So, you know, it's a painful and long multi-step process and the company or the um the seller probably won't even respond to you with the number but if if you can get that number or if you're you know what where this could work is is in the dollar store right that's another place where you you could uh conceivably get an expired product right so because cosmetic products unlike over-the-counter drug products don't have expiration dates but they will have these lot dates or these production dates and there is i'm aware of at least one website that will um, you can just put in that production code and it will decode it for you. Now mm-hmm. it's not very reliable across all companies, but it does work for some of the larger mass marketers. But hey, if you can get that number and you give the company a call, ask them when this product was made. Maybe you can find out. Yeah. Now one of the things that I know about Amazon is that they are a little bit strict about um, verifying sellers of beauty products. Mm-hmm. And so this doesn't guarantee it, but there is there is a hurdle. So your your average uh, beauty seller on Amazon is actually qualified a bit to sell beauty products. So you have okay. to jump through a lot of hoops to do that. So I'd be a lot less worried about Amazon counterfeits mm-hmm. than something like buying from eBay, where anybody can sell anything, or Etsy, anyone yeah, can sell yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the question here was less about counterfeiting, though, than it was just expired. I mean, it could be a legitimate product that's just 
yeah. you know, six years old, and is that still going to be worth your money? You know, that that's that's a little bit different than counterfeiting. Well, you know, online isn't the only concern for that. Um, <laughs> I just saw a story uh, in New Beauty that said Alta employees are making serious allegations that the retailer is reusing uh, expired makeup. What do, mean, what, do you mean, what do you mean reusing it? They're reselling expired makeup. Well, according I, I to, okay, according to ex-employees, ex, according to ex-employees <laughs> at Ulta, they said that they, the workers were supposed to repackage and resell makeup that had already been used as samplers and things. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Well, hang on, hang on. You're talking about selling something that's expired. That's one thing. But you're talking about something people have used and like dipped their fingers or whatever into? Yeah. In fact, one of the tweets, uh, this woman says, so I was a former employee at Ulta, and whenever a customer would return a product, we were told by managers to repack, reseal the item, and put it back on the shelf. Now, this might be just like, you know, uh, disgruntled former employees. I can't imagine that Alto would do this. But well, I don't know how crazy. you even repackage something. Like, it's an eyeshadow in a, you know, compressed into a tin. How do you, tra- huh? It doesn't, even, it doesn't even make sense for all product types. It's a good question. But there are some people online are, like, boycotting Alta now. We'll see if this has any significant impact on their business, but... The point is, you know, not only online you have to worry about it, but, but even offline in, yeah, might even, even in, be a concern. Even in stores. Hey, um, I just mentioned uh, eyeshadow. I'm going to jump ahead to this question from uh, uh, Marinella. She was oh, asking yeah. about this uh, Anastasia Beverly Hills product. Apparently, it's um, formulated in such a way that all their eyeshadows are pure pigments that are just pressed softly into the palette. And she's saying that people just had to, um, you know, tap lightly on the the case to just to get the right amount of pigment to put on their eyes. But people were having major issues with this. They were getting tons of kickback and loose powder. They think it's the formula causing the problem due to it not bonding right. So her question was, what really bonds an eyeshadow to make it stay and work in the pan? Uh, And then she's saying, is it maybe we're using the wrong brush, you know, to, to make it work properly. So I thought that was interesting. So... The basic question here is what holds an eyeshadow together? So it's got to have some kind of binding agent in it. Because if it's just loose powder, it's not going to stay pressed together. And it sounds like exactly. that's what they're experiencing here. So typically, you'll see some sort of oil or a liquid ester in a product. And that basically makes those little powder particles stick together a little bit, right? And so when you then um, mix in the oil with the powder and a pr- provide a lot of pressure to it, you know, there's a metal press that comes down under, you know, thousands of pounds a square inch to force that powder into that little cake, it's going to hold its shape because that oil binds it together. Right. Now, you know, you know, I was at the Society of Cosmetic Chemists meeting out in New York, and there was a guy who did a talk about pressed powders, hmm. and and he was demonstrating the drop test. A drop yes, test is right. where yeah. you, you take a pressed powder and you drop it from a certain height and you right. see if it cracks. Uh, but I had asked him the, the question, because I often get this question asked of me on Chemist Corner, about people who want to make their own makeup. They want to make their own pressed powders. Right. And and I said, hey, could, is this something you could just do, uh, you know, at, at, at your house, get the powders and press right. it? And the guy's like, no, you need thousands of pounds <laughs> right. of pressure to get these things to stick and stay together. So, yeah, if you're, if you, you know, if you're just mixing up a loose powder, that's one thing. But in this case, you know, people were complaining because the loose powder didn't sort of distribute onto their makeup brush 
as e- as easily as they'd like, or or maybe more easily than they liked. Um, now, why would you make a product like this? Um, in some cases, it's because you want it to be all natural or oil free or whatever, right? So if you're you know if you're doing mineral makeup, typically you'll see those as just a mixture of loose powders because oils are not minerals. So if you put an oil in a mineral makeup, it's not truly a mineral makeup anymore, or maybe it's not natural enough or whatever. So there could be a marketing spin as to why they would do this. But again, the, the trade-off is the product may not perform like the customer would like to. So, right. And that and that's exactly. the ultimate issue. Because <laughs> somebody's not they they may buy it once because they like your marketing position, but they're not gonna buy it again if the powder just crumbles and comes off and is hard right. to apply. And ends up in their purse, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. This is the all makeup question. Should <laughs> well, I, I did. I did uh, uh, say that we talk about anti-aging products. So here's one that comes from Kim. So she says she has uh, two products that I want to ask you about before committing to their price point. The first one is a Caudalie. Caudalia. I never know how to say. That's one of those brands that I, is unpronounceable to me. Caudalie. Caudalie. Yeah. Caudalie uh, Vino Perfect Radiance Serum. Uh, and the second one is a Lasitan. Lasitan. Don't you know it, French? <laughs> very little. I barely speak English. And uh, <laughs> it's Lasitan Immortal Divine Youth Oil. So, okay, so she's got these two anti-aging products, and she's asking, hey, between these two, are they worth it, essentially, you know, before I, I pay my hard-earned cash for either one of them? So... Um, she said, both products make similar claims, but I, but I hesitate since I don't know what the ingredients mean. Uh, specifically, I'm looking for a product that will help reduce the appearance of acne scars and even out my skin tone. So, okay, if you look at these two products, they're both pretty expensive. The Caudalie is $80 an ounce. The oh, Lacetane wow. product is $100 an ounce. Wow. And both of them, you know, have pretty standard ingredients. I'm not going to bore you by reading them all, all, all here, but... You know, Do you want me like, to bore people? No, <laughs> like no you, you took care of that at the top of the show. Thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, uh, there are things like, you know, butylene glycol, glycerin, squalane, uh, some emulsifier, some natural oil. So th- these appear like they would both be probably pretty good moisturizers, but neither of these products contain anything that's proven to work um, in terms of anti-aging benefits, like, you know, the things we talk about on the show all the time, right? Retinol, some forms of vitamin C, some types of vitamin E. Niacinamide. Exactly, precisely. None of those things are in these products. So certainly there's nothing in here in either of these products that will help reduce the appearance of acne scars. So if that's your main goal, uh, I would look elsewhere. Um, But secondly, I would ask if, you know, are you really willing to commit to a product this expensive that you have to use on a regular basis because any of these anti-aging products have to be used, you know, continually? Right. You and, stop using them, they don't do anything for you anymore. Right. And, you know, for an ounce, you know, for an anti-aging product, is that going to last you, you know, what, a month maybe? Uh, if you're, you know, applying, that's about, an ounce is about 30 mils, right? So if you're applying a milliliter a day, maybe a half a right. milliliter a day, and, you know, most it's going to be two months. So you're committing to somewhere between 50 and $100 every month or so for a product like this that doesn't have, doesn't seem to have any proven benefits. So I really question that. They, the one thing here that stood out, it was in the, I think it was in the Lacetane product, they said they it uses um, this, uh, or no, sorry, it was in the Caudalet product. It uses uh, a, a natural grapevine sap that is clinically proven to be 62 times more effective than vitamin C. Now, you could say, well, 
okay, that's proven to work. It's 62 times better than vitamin C. Why isn't that worth the money? Because it's pretty easy to do a test to get an ingredient to, you know, give you a number like that. Right, right. What does that even mean? <laughs> right. I mean, was it tested in a in the laboratory in a, you know, in, 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 you know, just some antioxidant assay? Was it tested in a formula? If so, what kind of formula? How was it stabilized? What form of vitamin C was it tested against? I mean, there's a thousand questions that could poke holes in that number. So you can't take I, that at face value. I like how specific the number is, too. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not 60%. It's 62 times. 62 <laughs> times, yeah. Right. So anyway, Kim, to answer your question, I would be concerned about either one of those products providing the benefit you're looking for. And I would just question whether you want to commit that much money every month to either of these companies. Yeah, and it seems to me, I, I think people would be best served by following our strategy for finding that, that perfect product for them, right? And you want to remind folks what that strategy is? You want to start with the lowest price product that you feel good about buying, right? Right. Try it out. You know, go go with your Olay's or, right. or go with your Neutrogena's or something like that. If you feel good about it and it works, stop there. Keep buying that. Right. If you don't like it, then go up to the next highest price thing and work your way up in price because price and effectiveness are not really tied. They're not equal in the cosmetic industry. Right. So look for, you know, one of those four or five ingredients that we talked about that are, you know, of all the anti-aging ingredients have proved, been proven to work the best. Find the cheapest product with one of those and start there. Yeah. Good advice. Um, all right. Here's a, a sort of a related question, I guess, but this one comes to us from Raynell. And she says, is it true that chemical sunscreens cause hyperpigmentation on the face? So do they, do they cause dark spots? Now, I, I, I'll ask this to you. I, I've never heard that posed as a problem nah. before. And in fact, yeah. you know, we know that um, sunlight or UV exposure is one of the primary causes of dark spots. So, you know, sunscreens will actually prevent dark spots, not cause right. them. So right. I don't know if there was some specific story that prompted this, or this is just word of mouth, but it doesn't really make sense. You know, in fact, when you use a, a skin lightener, like a hydroquinone-based cream, um, they recommend that you use a sunscreen along with that, because as the, um, the active ingredient helps lighten your skin, you need something to help prevent the sun from darkening it again and causing the, the dark spots to reoccur. So sunscreens and, and skin lightening products sort of work hand in hand to achieve a better result, but sunscreens don't cause darkening. Yeah, exactly. This this is the, the the opposite of what would happen. Right. So right. It's, it's so. not a thing to not a thing to worry about. Right. So don't don't worry about that right now. All right. Um, hey, hey, here's I want to cover this question quickly. This one came to us from uh, Mark, one of our male listeners. You know, we always like to answer questions sure. from our male listeners. Uh, Mark's saying that after he's listened to our show, now he like does he likes to test you know, like regular shampoos and conditioners side by side with natural products, and he has been really finding. I'm glad I'm glad that we've had that impact he, on people. He's doing his own half head test, yeah, nice. and he's found you know that in most cases the the quote unquote regular product works even better. But the one one area that he's disappointed in is the the scent of the products. Uh, he says um, he he says they just smell like candy, <laughs> and they said they he. He said they smell uh, like they have the intensity and subtlety of a tabloid headline. <laughs> Funny line. So he, he wants to know why is this? Why do the, he says why are you know are companies just using cheap fragrances to save money instead of using you know some sort of natural fragrance or extracts? Is it just you know are they trying to just satisfy consumers who like this kind of fragrance? What's going on there? Why, why do these all these products have 
have such strong, strong fragrances. I, th- I thought I thought that was that was funny, just knowing what I know about the cosmetic industry and how much things cost when you make them. But right. yeah, that's, well, that's someone think that oh, they're just using some cheap fragrance to replace something that clearly would be better if right. you used it, but it's more expensive. Well, no, it, it doesn't work that way. It, in fact, the opposite is true. Fragrance can be one of the most expensive components in a product, and and when used at a significant level, can be what 10, 15 percent of the cost of the product at least. So sure, it's, yeah. it's costing companies more money to make the product a fragrance experience for you than it would be just to put in a lower level of some natural oil. It would just give it a little hint of a fragrance, you know, and, and cover the, up the, the base odor. And the thing about natural oils is the, the natural stuff doesn't smell the way you think it smells. Right. <laughs> like, if you want to get something that smells like you think strawberry smells, you don't go to strawberries, right. you know? You you have to, people have an expectation about what strawberry smells like, and it's not a strawberry plant. Not entirely. Right. Just... <laughs> <laughs> We're so conditioned with synthetic fragrances. So, uh, I'll, and I tell you why. Like, so why are companies doing this? I can answer that in one word for you, Mark. Gee, your hair smells terrific. Do you remember that product? <laughs> Well, that was what back in the 1970s. That was yeah, it was it was a 1970s. That was the name of the product. Gee, your hair hair smells terrific. I want to say mid early early to mid 70s, and the whole point of it was, you know, after you would shower, uh, you know, uh, someone would comment on how well your hair smells. So that's how important that fragrance experience is. And I don't think consumers have changed a whole lot. The market research we've seen from companies uh, is is that. You know, consumers like that fragrance experience in the shower. Companies spend a lot of money doing research to find the right fragrance and doing testing to develop fragrances that satisfy consumers. So, Mark, I think yeah. you're just not the target consumer for these products, but that's I mean, why that's they the smell thing. like well, that. You know, we would, we would test fragrances, and we would go with the fragrance that is liked by the most number of people. Exactly. Right. right. And, and, but that's also going to mean that there are some people that aren't going to like it. Yeah, right. If you're not in the target group, you you wouldn't have yeah. uh, scored this one well in the test. So. Most beauty products are made to appeal to women. True. So True. Um, unless you're buying a, a guy's brand. Yeah, that's going to have a different fragrance profile. Right. And and even though, even those guys' brands like Dove, that sort of has a, you know, a fragrance that I think appeals more to women than men anyway. So It's, yeah. A man it's, just wants to smell like a man. The, the bottom line, if you're a man buying beauty products, get used to it, man. They're not going to be fragranced for you. <laughs> All right, very good. All right, hey, we got one more question, and this is, uh, this is another anti-aging question. This is the one about this uh, skin cream made from your own blood. This one comes oh, boy, to us yeah. from yeah, Anna in Singapore. Uh, I've heard a couple of people online raving about this $1,400 face cream, which is made out of your Whoa. own blood, so it's customized <laughs> for you. Does this actually work? Does your blood really have an impact uh, on the efficacy? So uh, the product in question is this, um, it's Dr. Barbara Strum's MC1 cream. Uh, You can Google this, it shows up on a couple of websites, it's sold in a couple of places. Uh, The idea is that um, they take a sample of your own blood and extract the healing and growth factors and then build those into a cream that you apply topically, which you know supposedly works miracles on your face. So, look, uh, it, it's one thing if you were injecting these in your skin, you know these growth factors. There's some data to suggest that you know in in burn patients and in open wounds, these sure. factors can accelerate certain aspects of healing. 
that is much different than applying them topically to your skin to counteract the visible signs of aging. The processes are completely different. So yeah. there is no data that we're aware of that applying, even if you could extract these things from your own blood or, or duplicate them somehow, and then put them in a topical cream and apply them to your skin, there's no evidence that they would have the same kind of benefits that you would get from those proven anti-aging ingredients that we just talked about, like retinoids, <laughs> no vitamin C, yeah. niacinamide, and so on and so forth. So again, I have to raise the question of the cost. So it's $1,400. I believe it's for an ounce. Once again, are you willing to commit to $1,400 a month? Or even if it's a two-month or a three-month right. supply, does it really matter? Right. Like, are you willing to commit that much money to a product that's not proven to work? Look, if you're fantastically wealthy, sure, why not? You know, and you like the way the cream feels on your face, go for it. But most people, I think, you know, probably would be raising their credit card bills in order to afford a product <laughs> like this. And that may not be the, the smartest decision for everybody. And if you have that much money, save your money for cosmetic surgery. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you right. don't waste yeah. it if on you, the, the right. top. Right, if you, if you want to go through that, so... I, uh, yeah, uh, but you know, it's uh, if there's one thing that you get out of this show, uh, I I want people to understand that the price of something uh, doesn't have any indication on how well it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, that right. That that's hugely important. The other thing is, don't accept just anecdotes or stories you read online as proof of anything. The, um, the one article I found was by some beauty editor who got a sample of the stuff and couldn't believe it. She put it on a, she had a, some sort of acne lesion on her skin, right. put this cream on it, and the next morning it was better. <laughs> Come on. It's one person's experience. That doesn't mean uh -huh. that's how it works. It, you know, it's, there are so many other factors at play. That's not evidence of anything. Right. Um, and neither are online reviews. You never know if you can trust those. You never know what the person's experience is. So don't look at just the price and don't look at just online reviews. You you know, you need to look at the big picture and part of that picture is what's the science behind the product. Yeah. So if you if you like that advice that we just gave you, you can help us out by leaving a re review on iTunes of our show. How's that for a segue? I, I think that's great. We appreciate all the iTunes reviews that we've got. we got a ton of them. Too many to read now. but uh, uh, Yeah, I feel bad because we do want to give people a shout-out, but I'm, I'm afraid we're just not going to be able to, to do that in today's show because we do have to get to a very important announcement. Ah, uh, yes, the very important announcement. Yeah, so, so what do we got, Randy? Uh, so, well, here's the deal. Uh, honestly, due to other commitments on my part, so blame me, not Perry, uh, this will be our final uh, podcast for the foreseeable future. Yeah, a hiatus, uh, as it were. Um, yeah, at the very least. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it, yeah. Hey, if it makes you feel better, I've decided that everybody listening to, the, to today's show gets their money back. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, not, a, what a deal. You know, actually charge for the <laughs> oh, show, so that's so, a joke. So the, this this the last one we made it 165 shows. But yeah, over uh, what about three three years or something we've been podcasting. Four years, maybe. Four years, four, I think. Yeah. yeah, four years. Yeah. Um, Not bad. We answered a lot of questions. We did. We did. But I I, I do feel like we owe people a bit of an explanation. So yeah. you know why we're we're stopping. So I I, I have a, a quick top ten list I'd like to go through. So All right, are, let's hear that. These sure. are the the top ten reasons we're no longer going to be podcasting. All right, are you ready? Sure. What All right. Num number 10. We've run out of questions and we're starting to repeat ourselves. <laughs> well, that's a, that, that could be a problem. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Uh, number nine. I suspect that Perry is sleeping with Sarah Bellum and I'm jealous. 
<laughs> you don't have to confirm no truth to or these rumors. deny that. Uh, number eight, uh, we were bought out by the rival website ChemistCorner.com. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, we were. Uh, seriously, though, everybody, you you know, it's uh, if you're interested in the more technical aspects of the industry, go to ChemistCorner.com. Even if you're not a chemist, there's lots of learning there, lots of good resources. For sure. For sure. Uh, all right, number seven. Uh, the number seven reason we're not co- podcasting anymore: we're tired of being called condescending misogynists. <laughs> Ouch. Weren't you, weren't you in a band called Condescending Misogynist? <laughs> yeah, you know. Number six, I'm upset because Perry never really embraced Be Brainy About Your Beauty. I, I never did. I always preferred Thanks for Stopping By. I, I think if you had caught on to that, maybe we'd still be podcasting uh, today. I don't know. Or we'd at least have t-shirts on it. <laughs> uh, number five, since Allure Magazine stopped using the term anti-aging, I've lost the will to go on. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry to hear. I wonder if they're going to contact me as their expert. I mean, are you still going to be an Allure expert? No, no, it's I'm chucking the whole deal, I'm afraid. All right, there you uh, go. I'll let them know that uh, you you have an opening available. Sure, sure. Uh, reason number four, Perry is leaving to start a new website called The Joggler. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, just your average joggler, actually. That, are, that already exists, though, doesn't it? Uh, it uh, well, I'm revamping it. I haven't recovered since our 2014 debacle. Oh, yeah, don't remind me about that. Uh, you, you are the bloggler. Uh, number three, I'm sick and tired of explaining there's no such thing as chemical free. <laughs> don't you, honestly, uh, don't you just get a little tired of answering the same questions over and over again? Oh my god, yeah, that that does great on me, and yeah. and, and the 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 power of natural bullshit online is just mm. oh, it's mm. so frustrating. Uh, speaking of which, the number two reason is it turns out that SLS, mineral oil, and preservatives really do cause cancer. So that's it. <laughs> no, they who'd, don't. Who the thunk? They don't. <laughs> right. No, they don't. Uh, and the number one reason that we are giving up podcasting. This whole thing is just a front for big beauty, and after years of taking kickbacks, I'm finally rich enough to retire to my own private island. So Wait, wait, you, you've been getting all this money? I didn't get any of it. Look, I, I made the deal with big beauty, not you. So. Oh, boy. Well, there we go. Well, thanks thanks for that, Randy, and thanks for the many <laughs> years of beauty brains and uh, answering questions and uh it's been fun. It's been fun. It has been an honor and a privilege to uh, to try and help people out and, and make them uh, help them be smarter consumers. And I can't think of anybody that would have been more entertaining to do this with than you. So, <laughs> and you. I agree. And uh, it's it's been fun. Now, so what's going to happen to the beauty brains? Uh, you know, we're sort of taking a hiatus, or you know, we're not going to be doing this show. Maybe this show will come back in some other form. Maybe uh, excellent. Sarah Bellum and I'll take it up and but you know one of the one of the troubling things about doing something like this is that when you when you tell the truth and you bust myths and 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 you call people out on the bullshit um while it's very helpful to consumers it's you really can't make any money at it yeah <laughs> you know the I I look online at that people writing in the beauty space and beauty bloggers and and things and and the people that can really make a living at this are the people that are perfectly fine saying that product from some expensive product uh, is great and you should use it and here's why you should use it because 
those people that write about are of not endorsing products. And when you're not endorsing products, there's nobody who wants to pay you to talk about their product. It, it is hard to monetize that. Not that we do this just for the money, but at some point, no. it, it's got to be sustainable. So it, it is, that is it, an exactly. issue. Exactly. There are there are some expenses with keeping the lights on right. and the website right. up and stuff. And it, it, it's right. We're not stopping this because it's not making money. But, you know, if if we were making millions of dollars from <laughs> big beauty, like apparently Randy has, <laughs> we might still... It is good gonna, motivation. Yeah, yeah, we might still be motivated to do it. But we appreciate uh, all, the, all the time that we've had and all the questions that were sent in and the interactions. And eh, it's been great, but, you know, as with everything, everything comes to an end. And I guess the Beauty Brains, at least this podcast version of it, is coming to an end. Very good. And I do echo your sentiments about thanking the listeners. The fans have been fantastic. So thank, thank you, guys. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for us. Take care out there. And until some point at some time when we end up doing something again in the future, remember, be brainy about your beauty. Hey, beauty fans. Do you have trouble knowing when your hair is growing strong? Or why dry skin? Dry skin is such a bummer. Then you should listen to our song. so good real scientists we know everything we should but now you read other blogs and they just seem so phony the ads all sound like baloney So when you shop, and shopping gets confusing, don't forget that we told you true. Brands, trusted brands, telling lies, fooling so good real scientists we know everything we should love beauty brains knowledge never felt so good real scientists Oh, the beauty 
break.